Welcome to Dad Factors. And today on the show, we have Nick Beveridge. Yeah. Uh, he's a real estate investor. He has his own real estate team. He flips houses on the side, mm-hmm. flipping houses business. And he started a real estate investors group locally. Yes. And he also has a uh, like a real estate photography business, which he's pretty much hands off with. But he has people that does that for him. Super dope, like doing like 360 tours and stuff. Multiple avenues. The guy has multiple income streams and mm-hmm. and uh, super awesome dude to talk to. Yeah, great to talk to you. Um, it's probably one of my favorite stories of like a successful person where they start off, you know, <laughs> he started off essentially living in his car. Yeah, he had like a moped and a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that though. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, pulled himself up and it's become super successful and uh yeah super cool guy to know good dude to interview let's start the show we love coming to you every week with life stories that have the potential to change your life or your kids' future we want to continue to improve the show so if you'd like to support the show or even buy us a beer, log on to anchor.fm forward slash dad factors. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash D-A-D-F-A-C-T-O-R-S and click on the support link. It'd be super appreciated. This episode of Dad Factors is brought to you by Wallace Brewing Company. Wallace Brewing Company has the finest craft beers I've ever tasted. They have a great variety of beers such as the Vindicator IPA, 660 India style pale lager, the Huckleberry Shandy, the Select Lager, the 1910 Black Lager, and the Red Light. I drink it. I give it to the guests on my show. It's a great beer. They got a brewmaster up there at Wallace Brewing Company, Jack. Brewmaster Jack puts this stuff together and it tastes fantastic. Next time you're out at the grocery store, pick yourself up a six pack. You will not be disappointed. And as always, Wallace Brewing Company reminds you to drink responsibly. Jason and I want to start a quote of the week, and we want your help. If you have a funny, motivating, or otherwise dastardly quote, hit us up at dadfactors at gmail.com. If you want to or know someone who would be an entertaining guest on the show, you can contact us with the same email. That's dadfactors at gmail.com. So, Nick. Yes. Tell me about where you grew up and how you came to live where you live right now. Okay. Well, you know, I okay, so that's kind of a loaded question. Nice. Um I, I mean, I, I grew up in all, all sorts of places, I guess. I moved around a lot. Um, I was born in California, moved up here when I was like four or five, something like that. Spent about a year at, at around five years old in Washington, Newman Lake area. Um, lived in um, Pulse Falls, Coeur d'Alene area uh, until I was about 16. Something like that. Yeah, about 16. And then I moved, uh, my parents got divorced and I moved to Florida with my mom. Um, so we just spontaneously, hey, let's go check out Florida. Their houses look cheap. Oh, wow. Um, so we moved to the Orlando area, Kissimmee, Florida. Nice. And um, um, that's where Kevin, from yeah. former guest on our show, mm-hmm. went to umpire school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent We spent about a year there. She sold her house. It's actually. That was a big reason why I got really interested in real estate. Uh, she lived there for one year. Um, she was working at Disney World, and 
made about twelve thousand dollars that year and she worked her ass off yeah mm. um long 12-hour days she was an artist over there oh, she like cool. drew drew people's pictures as they sat down you know mm-hmm. got like, dipped and like stuff. the big head character characters yeah, type yeah. Oh, that's cool. like big head characters or like um or like realistic photos and mm. stuff so uh, she did that for about a year, and then she decided uh, she got reconnected with an old high school friend mm-hmm. that lived in Phoenix, and she decided she was gonna let's, she's gonna sell the house and go marry this guy in Phoenix. Oh wow! And uh, I was eighteen at the time, seventeen, eighteen. Um, and uh, but I, I noticed when she put her house on the market and sold it, she made like eighty thousand dollars. Oh wow! And I was like, year. wow, she's in one year she made twelve thousand dollars working her ass off. Um. And then she just bought and sold a house and made 80 grand. Right. And it seemed, and at the time, you know, this was like the fourth or fifth real estate transaction I've seen as a kid of my, my parents doing. Mm-hmm. They always, and every time they bought a house, moved into it and sold it, they made money. So in my mind, I just thought you buy a house and then you sell it, you make money no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had, I had this idea in my head that, um, man, I should just be a real estate investor. That way I won't have to work for a living. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> that's smart. That's, yeah. I mean, for being so young, boy, that's a... <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think every kid at that age thinks of ways where they don't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I moved to, moved to Phoenix for about six weeks or so, and I was 18 at the time. Um, and uh, I, I had left a girlfriend, um, and she, the kind of the plan was she was going to save up some money and move to Phoenix with us. And that just didn't look like it was going to happen. And I was just, I, I wasn't really feeling Phoenix. I tried getting a job there and everything looked, yeah. Yeah. Everything looked, uh, in Phoenix, everything just looks gray and beige. Yeah. You ever been there? Yeah. 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 It's uh, wasn't, a lot of cactus. Yeah. There was some, there was cacti <laughs> yeah, cact- everywhere cacti, and you couldn't yeah. chop it down or you get arrested. Yeah. You can't um, transplant it. Can't do anything. So I moved back. Uh, I moved back to Florida because I had a job at Disney World as a lifeguard, and and my boss said I can come back and work. Um, and I had a little bit of money, and I bought a car there. Um, nice. So I, I was going to drive back and and live with my girlfriend. What? And uh, about halfway there, sometime through Texas, I find out she's actually she's kind of moved on, and she's hmm. dating her roommate now. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens. A so, lot. At, like, <laughs> at some point in the road trip, I'm like, man, I should probably just stay in this little town that I'm at a Waffle House at, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was making friends with the waitress there. That's and awesome. She's like, you could just move in with me, honey. <laughs> I was wow. Like, and I was, I was considering it for a minute, and then I'm like, ah, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I have a job waiting for me in Florida. It's funny. So, so you, was, you went all the way to Florida then? Yep, went yeah. all the way to Florida still. Um, and I, this is my first time out of the house by mm-hmm. myself. Um. And I, I did get my job back, what, what, but I didn't have a place to stay. I forgot about mm-hmm. that part. Yeah. Um, I, I got to stay with one of my buddies in in, uh, in their house for just a little bit while I figured it out. And I, was, I went surfing. and shopped apartments for a while. And I didn't realize uh, n- none of these apartments in the area would take me, even though I had money and I had a job, because I had like no credit yeah. history. Yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> so I ended up living out of my car for six months <laughs> and working uh, as a lifeguard. So I still got to shower and stuff at, yeah. at Disney World. Um, wow. And I couch surfed on a different friend's house. Yeah. And sometimes I slept in the car. And um, and so I, I spent about six months doing that. And then my brother in Idaho told me, hey, I can come live with him. 
Hmm. Um, so I decided I would uh, uh, stop with all the partying, <laughs> yeah, and couch surfing, and uh, and go up go up to Idaho and make something up there. Huh. Um, and I was kind of homesick anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, I bet. So you did that all by yourself. You didn't have any family or friends to do it with. No. You went to Florida. I mean, I had friends. I, well, yeah, I had, had good friends down there, but they're not like really good friends yeah. that would do anything for you. Yeah. But <laughs> but friends that would let you sleep on their couch here and yeah. there. And um, But I didn't want to overstay my welcome. So sometimes I slept in the car and drove around and just had long nights. Yeah. What kind of car girlfriends in Tampa and right? stuff like that. I had a pretty fun 19-year-old experience. Well, if uh, you're going to do it, I guess do it young. <laughs> yeah. But the car, I, I had a... Um, I had a convertible LeBaron, Chrysler LeBaron. LeBaron, and I bought it because I love that movie, uh, Freddy Got Fingered. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. <laughs> you ever see that movie? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, so I bought it because of that. Yeah. But moved back to Idaho. Um, uh, got to stay with my brother for a little while. Bought my first house about a year after that uh, in Kellogg because that was the only mm. area I could afford. So it was a rural town outside of um, that area. And that's when I got into, really got into like seminars and, um, and financial independence and how am I going to get rich someday through yeah. real estate? And, um, and I learned I should, what they taught me was you got to get a job in sales. And I was not a salesperson mm. at all. Super afraid of everybody. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, but I decided I would, I would go work at this car dealership in Kellogg at Dave Smith Motors, um, and go buy a house out there. Cause it was the only thing I could afford. Mm. Um, you were spent, 19 at this time? 19 then 20. 20. Yeah. Okay. 20 when I when I moved out and got my first house. Um and uh and then I left uh, after about a year or so I wanted to rent that house out. So I moved out of it back to my brother's house for a little while. And we were going to save some money and move to Florida because the market started crashing at this time oh, pretty okay. heavily. And I saw houses that were once selling for like 250 grand we're selling now for like 75,000 wow and I thought this would be a great opportunity and I was buying all these expensive real estate seminar programs mm-hmm. at the time or just getting into huge debt yeah um what learning how to how to do this but not taking action really except for the one house I bought and moved into anyway I moved uh, that house is I put it I gave it to a property manager to try to rent out um and almost a year went by before she can get a tenant Wow. Oh. <laughs> and oh. I was like not loaded at yeah. this time or anything. I was still getting by. I was working three different jobs um, just to pay that mortgage and pay my brother to live with him and then saving up money to move to Florida. So my ex-wife and I, we met, we, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. We went ahead and moved down to Florida anyway with the house vacant. Um, and I was able to get my old job back again for the third time at Disney World as a lifeguard lake patroller. Wow. <laughs> um and we stayed in a motel for a couple of months okay. um, until we can find a, a lifeguard to roommate up with. Uh-huh. Um, and during that time, I, I started getting seizures. Oh. Um, so actually, um, I, I got the, and I didn't know what they were at first. Yeah. It was just like little spacey moments uh-huh. where I would just kind of freeze up for a minute. Like micro seizures, I think they call those, right? Yeah, petite seizures. Yeah. Until until one day it got bad. Uh, until one day I had a grandma seizure, and it was the morning I was going to go take my real estate exam. Oh, I no. Through, I was going through real estate school, too, <laughs> at this time. I was going to go be an agent to try to figure out how do I buy these discounted houses. Um, and, I, and I just thought, 
since I screwed up the first house so bad, it's still vacant yeah. and I'm just paying on it and not making anything. Like I should really just get my license so I can learn something about real estate because all these seminars don't really teach you much. Mm. They just get you excited. Mm-hmm. Tell you to go to be a wholesaler, but they don't teach you how to do it. A lot of hype. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a way with like most seminars. They're just to get uh-huh. you hyped up, get you excited that, I mean, it lasts a couple of weeks. You know, that yeah. excitement. And yeah, they get you excited. They te- What they do teach you, though, is how to increase your credit card <laughs> limits so that you can put their <laughs> courses on. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm not, I'm not joking. Back. Yeah, and they all do it, which is yeah. funny. Um, but, I mean, at least it gets you excited and gives you something to look forward to, so I can't blame them too much. Yeah. I still made the ch- decision to buy all those courses and stuff. Um, so, anyway, at this point, um, I'm, I'm having seizures. Uh, I lose my job. It was the first time I ever got fired. Mm-hmm. Not really fired, but like currently cur- laid off. They eventually brought me back to work in an arcade, which was funny. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Were they going through layoffs at the time? No, I I was having seizures and they can't have a lifeguard lake patroller having uh, seizures on a boat. Yeah. I, I couldn't even I, I couldn't even drive. They um the they didn't officially take my license away, but I was legally I wasn't allowed to drive for 6 yeah. months, but I was having I was having um I was having uh petite seizures like four of them a day. And oh, was, wow. And it took a couple of months to, this was probably the worst couple of months of my entire life. Um, because I, I think I lost like 45, 50 pounds. I was on this medicine that really wasn't working. It was just making things worse. Mm. And it was having um, psychological effects. And I was just getting depression, uh, not eating right. I looked gray. The, yeah. the photos looked pretty horrendous. Yeah. Um, I couldn't work at all. I couldn't drive. I was going so far in the negative. Yeah. Um, like with, with everything. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Money included. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, I lost my car that I had cause I was, it was in a lease and if you don't make a payment within 45 days, you just have to turn it in. Yeah. It's not like a repo. Yeah. You just go bring it back. So I'd have somebody else bring it back cause I couldn't drive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's terrible. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't qualify for disability. The government didn't think that there was a a qualifying <clears throat> factor, so I couldn't get any wow. stimulus from the government, except for I was able to eventually get Idaho unemployment, but it took a long time, Yeah, even though I was living in Florida at the time. So that kind of helped a little bit. Um, after a couple of months of going through this, I got on the right kind of medication mm-hmm. and felt like, even though like financially nothing really changed, like mentally... Just having that like depression go away, yeah. Just because of a medication, it that really helped me like be able to figure out how to get my life going again. Yeah. Um. So this was back in 2010. Mm. Um. As soon as I started feeling better, I went back to work. Um. At Disney World, and they put me to. Um. They put me in this arcade, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because recovering seizure <laughs> yeah right lights but, flash in yeah but it, t- it turns out that i don't have epilepsy or anything so that wouldn't really affect me mm. it was just i was just prone to get seizures more than the average person i guess everybody gets seizures all the time but they're just on a micro level oh interesting um so anyway they couldn't really figure out what was wrong but i was just one of those rare cases where i kind of grew into it at mm-hmm. that age when your brain expands it could you know, if, if you're dropped as an infant or something like that, it could affect you later in life. So maybe that happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, 
at this point, let's see, yeah, 2011, I, 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 um, I'm working at the arcade and I remember just like working with these people that have been with Disney for like 20 years and they're still just getting by and they're, they're kind of happy, but like they look like they're living in their mom's basement or something. I got to say it, happiest place on earth. I mean, how could you uh, not be right? <laughs> well, they're all fucking lunatics there, man. <laughs> it was so weird. I mean, the, the bosses will ask you like during these little like sessions where they're like tr- doing like their quality of re- reviews and stuff on, and who's your favorite Disney character? And I'm like, I don't have one of those. I'm not four anymore. Right. <laughs> um elsa <laughs> yeah but it, anyway um elsa i got wasn't past. around in 2010 stupid oh, nerd. Oh, I got it. yeah it was toy story at the just time. picking one <laughs> woody all right <laughs> anyway finally when i got over the um when i got on the right medication my whole my whole like mindset changed it again i went back to my old self i got my appetite back i figured out a plan how to um, how to get my real estate license and how to get out over this. And I remember like the, the breaking point once was like, I was taking out trash at this arcade and I was just like, I cannot do this any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, studied for my real estate exam, got to take it again. Um, because of the morning I was, I think I told you the morning I had that grandma seizure was the morning I was going to go take that exam. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but, um, got into real estate, and when I started in real estate in Florida, I, I still, I didn't really know this area. So I didn't know the market. I didn't know anybody. Um, so I didn't have a database of like longtime friends that lived in the area that I knew I can help sell the houses or mm-hmm. help them buy a house. Um, and I didn't have a car. So I was kind of like struggling right away, of course. Oh, and I didn't have an income except for, <laughs> I think I was making 200 bucks a week on unemployment oh, or something. Man. Yeah. Um, not even enough to pay rent basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I had this little, so I said I didn't have a car, but I had a little scooter. Um, it was a little Yamaha Vino 125. Nice. And I traded it on Craigslist to a guy that needed it for his daughter. And he gave me this, his wife's chick bike. It was like a Honda Revel 250. (laughs) I figured that would be better to show properties with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I did that for a while and I, um, and, and this was 2000. So this was the start of 2011 now. And the market in that County that I was working in was the, um, second worst hit market in the country for like distress sales and foreclosures and stuff. So, um, the market was a mess. Um, the office that I started with at that time was unprofitable and lost like half their staff and more than half their agents, like just the year before. Um, but I was in this, I, I felt like I was in a good position to learn. I was so eager to learn and to get going. Remember, um, I remember the few people that I kind of started with that mm-hmm. were also new. Um, I don't think any of them sold a house their first year. Mm. Um, but I sold 14 and wow. Um, and I, I was, but I was in a position where I just had to, you yeah, know, do you think that was well? the, the big difference between you and, and them? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wasn't any I wasn't any smarter than these people. I didn't know real estate well. I didn't know anybody. Um I didn't know the area and I didn't have a vehicle for the first few months. But your back was against the wall. <laughs> right? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. yeah, I just had to make it work. Had to yeah. figure it out. So What um how did you get those leads while you were there? Um that's a great question. So I I went around to the top producing agents and I just said I I just would tell my story of what happened. Yeah. And I was just I would just chat with people. Even though I did, it was uncomfortable for me, because uh-huh. I was not—I'm not a salesperson. Yeah, 
Um, and it was, it was kind of a weird time in my life, but I'm like, Hey, if you got any like crappy Zillow leads or email onlys that you just don't have time to get to, uh, I'd love to work those leads for you and I'll send you a, uh, I'll, I'll pay you half the commission or, oh, okay. or whatever, a quarter of the commission, whatever worked at that time. Um, and so all, the majority of those leads the first year, um, came from other agents and they started reckoning, oh, this new guy's actually closing deals. So all the all the top producers would send me leads of their trash that they didn't want to deal with. Um, That's funny because so, I was actually closing deals with people and keeping them updated. I was like, I had a, like a nice big spreadsheet of, and I would give like weekly updates of like, hey, thanks for sending these seven contacts. Here's where we are on this stage. And <laughs> what percentage um, of those leads do you think would say you would you say worked out for you? Um, well, so this was, and we we're in a very different market. So back back then um you had to you had to deal with a lot of leads to sell anything regardless because um like eight or nine out of ten people at the time didn't even qualify for a mortgage Mm -hmm. so what you would do back then is you would talk to the person for a little while build a little rapport find out what they need and then explain educate them on the market and then talk and then ask the real questions like hey are you paying cash or financing oh you're financing okay great who are you currently working with Uh, i don't have a lender yet Oh, okay. Have you have you been pre-approved yet by anybody? No, but it shouldn't be a problem. Like, did you know right now, like only one out of ten people qualify for a mortgage? There's a lot of weird things going on. Do you mind if I have somebody give you a call? So I would just I would kind of lead them into me having a lender call them, mm. and I would just filter people like that. These days, you don't really have to do that much. L- lending guidelines are really kind of much looser. And well, but like you still have to be approved, you know, I mean, oh, sure. so a lot but of people don't know that when they're buying a house. I certainly didn't when we bought our first one. And luckily I had a, a realtor that was like, Hey man, you should probably go talk to a lender, right. you know? But. And I still, of course, always do that, but it just wasn't as much of an issue. Like 10 years ago, it was, you get a buyer's lead. That's great. There's a really good chance they don't qualify. Uh, um, these days you get a buyer lead. That's great. There's a really good chance they qualify just fine, but it's going to be hard to find them a house. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, because most people aren't looking in these days unless they're actually qualified or they know they are. Yeah. They're a little bit more. It seems like people are more savvy these days. Hmm. Um, even that, even though it's just been 10 years or so, but well, it's probably Google, right? Yeah. Or it's just the internet. Yeah. You know, what, what, what's the first step I need to do to buy a house? Yeah. I yeah. would Google that if I needed to. <laughs> And especially since like the average price point around here is like close to 400 grand now. The median, Most people really yeah. check with a lender first to see if they can afford to even buy right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is impressive. I mean, around here, houses have went up so high, but no one's got a pay raise around here for, you know, a long time. Oh, yeah. So it's very interesting that the housing market goes up so high. But I mean, I guess in this area, we have a lot of uh, people moving over here from other cities. Yeah, it's a supply and demand issue. Yeah. That's what's causing the can't build. I mean, there's fast a lot enough. to it, but yeah, yeah, and that was a and that's a the, a big reason why we don't have enough supply is because of what happened 12 years ago when all these builders got wiped out. Yeah, and um, they weren't able to keep uh, the new construction just kind of stopped for a while. Um, <clears throat> but in history, that we've always added so many houses to the U.S. Um, but there was a time there where just nothing got built and we knew eventually it would catch up with us where we're not going to have enough inventory. Mm. Um, and that's happening now. 
like we 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 heard the warning signs about this like four years ago <laughs> yeah hey there's not going to be enough inventory in a few years um and we're, this is just going to be chaotic and it's it's actually happening it's kind of interesting to see it play out now yeah huh very interesting yeah <laughs> Yeah, it is very and, interesting. And it just seemed like it was accelerated by COVID because all of a sudden now we have 10 times more people interested in this area due to politics yeah. um, than ever before. Um, oh, I'm yeah. sure it was accelerated by COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, that's the reason why I moved to be locked down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, a- I just bought my house in October. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that was another reason why you moved here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Didn't yeah. like the Washington politics. I think it was the reason. Really. <laughs> and we sold, and so my, I've got a team now of real estate agents. Um, there's uh, 11 people, including myself. Uh, two are like more full-time admin, but they're also licensed. Um, and we sold, um, uh, we actually just, five of them are brand new. Um, but uh, we sold 117 homes last year. And the we only had two people. Uh, that moved out of Idaho. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, because they Only were selling two. their house because they get more for it and they were moving somewhere else. Right? They were moving out of state. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Almost everybody else, they're they're moving, moving here from in. out of state or they're just, or they're keeping, the, or they're, or they're just moving, they're upgrading or something like that. Yeah. But, um, it was really interesting to see those statistics. Yeah. With our, just our team alone. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Two. <laughs> two. We helped two people. Oh, and uh, one of them. That moving. wasn't two percent, right? That was two. <laughs> no, it was two. And one of them's moving back. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> they were just moving short, um, short term to Oregon to work as a nurse, mm. and she was, um, she and her husband were going to come back. So interesting. <laughs> yeah, even with the the uh, um, supply and demand thing, I've uh, I got a couple buddies that work at the mill, and they said that they normally have like eight million board feet on hand, mm-hmm. and they're down to less than one million. So price of lumber has like tripled in the past, I don't know, a couple months. months. Yeah. Couple Two, months. Four months. Oh yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I'm mean, building, I'm just building. trying to get trees. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I'm building nine houses right now. I know <laughs> <laughs> how, how much lumber has gone up. Huh. Um, but the funny thing is that, you know, like we're getting so much more for these houses than we could ever imagine. Yeah. Like the lumber is just like, it's just a little tiny, like tiny sting compared to this huge. Well, for we you guys, but getting. for the average person that wants to build a 10 by 12 shed in their backyard, <laughs> and it used to cost, you know, 1500 bucks yep. for the materials, now it's like four grand. Yeah. So It is. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's just the way Sorry. it is. So yeah, we it might uh, just get worse, too. It yeah. might. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely might. And that's a weird. I mean, I don't know if it's the um, increase in people building, or I don't know what it is that's causing the supply of uh of lumber to go down i don't know if it's covid's shut down the mills or <clears throat> if it's um just i mean i know right now everyone's building so i don't yeah. know if that's one of the main reasons but it was a, it was a combination of a lot of things yeah. but uh yeah they did have to stop production for a little while due to covid and and um but we never stopped producing houses yeah um, right so we had that lag and that and oh, there's all that demand there and mm. um builders just can't keep up with yeah. the demand here at all. And it's not just houses. There's apartments going up everywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Townhouses. Yeah. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I've also heard of people uh, like scalping crews. Like I, I heard of a, um, a guy that was doing concrete, and he had this crew, and this dude showed up driving a pickup truck and sat there and washed him for like 10 minutes, 
and they were like, what, what is this guy doing? Whatever. And about 10 minutes, you know, after watching him, he gets out and he's like, Hey, how much you guys make in an hour? And they were like, yeah, I think it was like 18 bucks or something like that. He's like, I'll pay you 22. If you walk out the job right now, come work for me. And his whole crew left. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. could have just been a guy like, ah, I was just joking. Yeah. Just JK, JK. Yeah. <laughs> I have, a, yeah, yeah. I have a job that's going to take two days and I'm done. <laughs> Thanks guys. Right, I only need Thanks you for, for two hours. Yeah. 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 I've heard of that kind of stuff happening, but, um, it's not really a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. When you have, when you have guys that are just so willing to just walk off a job, you probably shouldn't have had them anyway. Right. (laughs) Right. So your houses that you're having built, are they staying on schedule? Um, yeah, for the most part, not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it has been, it's, it's taken longer to go through, you know, to wait, wait on lumber and trusses and things like that. And, and, um, all the great, you want to deal with quality subcontractors and they're all usually three or four weeks out. Mm-hmm. So you just, as long as you're good with scheduling, um, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, for someone who's like really disorganized, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's tough to try to stay on schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you're building or like renovating houses, or flipping houses, you're, you're always going to be like double the time than you think you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My yeah. wife will tell me that whenever I do some kind of project. How long did it take? Huh? You need two weeks. Yeah. All right. A month. I'll see you in a, a month. month. Yeah. A month at least. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been a realtor in North Idaho since 2011. Right? So I started in Florida um, for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I started uh, in 2013 up here um, when I moved back. I actually, I took a little break, but I was still licensed and did some like referral work. Um, and I worked, uh, I wanted to, I knew I, I was, I was moving again. And I had, it's funny when I, when I left Florida, I had nine deals under contract. Um, and seven of them fell apart Oh, <laughs> oh no! when I moved up here. So I had, I had to get another job temporarily until I can get my license again and save up enough capital to know that, you know, I'm starting, I, I got to start a new business again. Like you got to build a new database of clients and all that stuff that goes with that and start with a new office. So I knew it was going to take some time. I, I, I needed some reserves. I didn't want to do it like I did it at first where I was just broke right from the start. Um, so I got a job at like a troubled boys home mm. out in, in the silver Valley mm. for a little while. Um, and then I, and then I got my old job back again at Daysmith motors in the commercial department, selling commercial trucks. Um, and, uh, knowing that I was eventually going to get back into real estate, um, even though I was, I was still able to make a little bit of money on the side, referring my clients that I still had that would call me like to other Florida agents cause I still had a license. So you can still make like a quarter of your commission just by referring a client. Well, that's it's cool. actually really easy money. Yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. When you can, and I, I've had plenty of times where I've just simply like sent a couple of text messages and it turned into like two grand <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome it's referral money's really um it takes a while like you got to have some sort of value to get to that status but so is that like just, a texting app you download or? <laughs> it's, it's just a text message like hey can you deal with this guy here's his number mm. give him a call that's 25 percent sound good oh yeah thank you very much every half every agent's happy to get a referral yeah if they have to pay something they don't care <laughs> that's probably true yeah um, i can see that anyway Huh. Forgot where I was going with that. Um, okay, yeah. So I, I wanted to save up some money. Um, ended up getting divorced, uh, working at the car dealership again, um, 
and it was probably yeah i was just in the wrong relationship obviously mm-hmm. that usually happens when you get divorced yeah uh, <laughs> typically yeah <laughs> um and then i get i get my license again and i and my brother uh sean the old oldest brother he dragged me to this real estate seminar i'm like how oh, great another real estate seminar mm-hmm. i'm like and the whole reason I got into real estate, and I almost forgot anyway, was to get into real estate investing. And I never did it for those two years. Mm. I just helped real estate investors buy discounted properties. And I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do. Because mm. even like you were saying, I'd love to flip houses, but I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. We were talking before you showed oh, up. Oh, nice. Yeah. You wouldn't believe 90% of the agents out there are feeling the same way. They would love to flip houses, but they don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, really? A- agents. <laughs> agents. Real estate agents. Oh, yeah. There's wow. a lot of real estate agents that don't own a house. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of agents out there, though. Yeah. Well, um, I, I had my realtor's license for a short time. About I only did it for about three months. It was during the <clears throat> summer of college one year. And I thought, oh, I'm going to make all this money. And I, I racked up all my credit cards <laughs> that I had at yeah. the time. And I, I made $0, went back to school in the fall, Got a check for, I guess I had answered the phone at one point and they specifically asked for this other realtor. So I transferred it to them and they gave me a small like referral fee, but it was like 130 bucks or something. Oh, not like a quarter of the commission? No, it was definitely not 25%. (laughs) Ah, you should have got 25%. (laughs) I I didn't, I I had no idea. My best listing looked like a junkyard Uh and had a double wide trailer on it with no title. So you couldn't move it. <laughs> nice. <Right. laughs> I've had I've had a that couple was of that those. was my best <laughs> listing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, three months. I'm surprised you got a listing. Right. Yeah. Well, me too. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't. I didn't do very well at it. And I, if I had it to do over again, I think I would do a lot better, just because simply I'm I'm more mature, you know. Yeah. And I and I I grasp the concept of what needs to be done better. So. Yeah, I think so many people have like an unrealistic idea what being a real estate agent is, um, because it's you are literally it, the the problem is it's so easy to get your real estate license, and it's unlike any other profession out there where you can just you can spend a couple of weeks sometimes getting going through a course, and then you go get you know fingerprinted and take an exam and then boom you're a real estate you got your real estate license, but I mean you have to it's a whole business and. Um, the statistics show even here locally that like 80% of the people that get their real estate license, they don't renew the second year. Hmm. Um, and then 50% of those people don't renew the year after that. So you have a 90% fail ratio within the first couple of years. Wow. And I think there's, but I don't think people understand a lot of people, I guess uh, there's not enough skin in the game. You know, when you get when you get your real estate license, because it's so easy. Any other profession, like if you want to go be a, if you want to go be an electric electrician, you know, you have to go through an apprenticeship, and it could take you like seven years to, get, right. to mm-hmm. become an electrician. And you don't just like hang around for three months after you finally did all that, and you're like, ah, I'm not really feeling this. <laughs> go do something else. You're like too invested, right? Yeah. You're just gonna make it work. The only difference there is, in one of them, you potentially aren't making any money, and the other one you're making a paycheck every two weeks. You know what I mean? So that's, that, that was where I was at. I was yeah. like, dude, I, I got to get student loans just to pay my credit cards. Well, right? think, I got to go back to school. Think about an attorney. They don't, they don't make money immediately. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. they, but they put so much time 
you're becoming an attorney, they're not just going to be like, eh, never mind. This kind of sucks. I'm not making anything. <laughs> they're so invested in it. They have to make it work yeah, uh, because it takes you know, years to get it. Um, but be, being an agent, you can literally have your license within a couple of months mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just too easy. Um, but people don't understand like being an agent's just like being a dentist. Like you can't be, you can't be on your own trying to answer the phones, doing the marketing, trying to do, do the dental, like hygienist work and then meeting with clients and like people are sitting around waiting, <laughs> scheduling people <laughs> out. You're yeah. Not, yeah. If you're the only guy there trying to service every little aspect of a business. Oh, and then doing the books and signing for, you know, stuff to come in. Um, there's just, there's a lot to be in a real estate agent and, um, you're almost destined to fail or get divorced unless you like start forming a team or get an assistant or like start putting subsistence in or just like just niche in one little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's why I think there's such a high fail ratios because, um, people just don't know what they're getting themselves into. Well, I think a lot of people look at it like a, a dream almost where mm-hmm. it's a, <clears throat> a lot of people look at it like I've been told, you know, it's, it could be a part-time job, you know, it's supposed to be very lucrative if you can build your business and stuff. And, um, I imagine that, that going back to what you said originally, where you need that sales, um, skill. Yeah. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> a lot of people never take the time to learn that. And so I'd imagine that's a lot of the business I would imagine is being, you know, being able to talk to people. Um, you need to, well, you know what? Okay. So I'm going to take that back. Um, I went, I went to these financial independent things and they really recommended like any kind of business. You need to know sales. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to talk to people cause you're going to be dealing with people, but it not necessarily like selling them on anything, but more selling them on, or like selling them on a product. Mm-hmm. Like when I show a house, I don't have to sell the house. You open the door, people are going to want it or not. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, being a real estate action agents actually like the easiest sales job ever. Um, because people either want a house or they don't, yeah. you don't have to sh- sell them on the features and benefits. Like this has a garage door opener. This is <laughs> what you should, you know? Like it's, it's actually, you know, and it pays, it pays, it could pay really well, it can mm. pay really well. Um, but there's so much expenses that go along with it and maintaining your license. And, um, you do so much free work that can really kill the, the average person's spirit. Mm. You can work with somebody for a year and then all of a sudden they just, if you miss one call and they get frustrated and they call somebody else and then they show them a house, write an offer and you're done. You could have put like 80 hours into somebody and got zero. Right. And you just got to like build a tough stomach yeah. <laughs> over a while and just not let it phase you because it happens all the time. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's, we can talk about real estate for 10 hours. <laughs> we'll have our and own we'll seminar. Never, I'll sell yeah, stuff. We'll, and that. we'll never, we'll never get to really what you want to talk about <laughs> with this podcast. That's <laughs> um, no, great. It's great. We like to, so, so we like to hear, you know, so tell me probably what was your, your worst house sales experience or could have mm. been, could have been any structure, I suppose in, in real estate. Gosh, I mean, if we actually completed it, it's, it wasn't that bad. I mean, there's been a lot of bad ones that just never go anywhere. Yeah. You put all those hours in, don't that, go anywhere. Um, but you know what? I guess I can, I, I remember I, I saw this Craigslist ad of somebody trying to sell a mobile home 
back in like 2016 and I called it and I just happened to call it as my, I was at the hospital. My, I was having my first daughter, my, my first kid. Um, and I was lead generating as I was in the waiting, <laughs> like just looking, prospecting. And, um, and I rarely ever call like Fizbo's to try to like get a listing out of it. And I was just, I was just inquiring. Um, I wasn't really, it just looked, it looked like an undervalued property. And that's, and lately the last few years, that's where my mind goes. I, I focus on investments and not, not necessarily like trying to get listings or buyers. I focus on like what, what could I flip or turn it into a rental? Um, Hmm. first, that's what I look for. Um, that's how I spend my time prospecting lately. So that, and that was kind of in the beginning of it back then. Um, but yeah, there was a mobile home in Athol, Idaho. Um, that was just a, it was a tear down. It was right next to, a, um, uh, a train, <laughs> a train track. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. but, uh, and they said they think they, they think they have it sold, but they had this another property, oh, another property just adjacent behind it. And it was, uh, three, uh, three mobile homes on one five acre piece. Um, and it was, um, it had a code violations on it and, um, all these tenants weren't, they weren't paying half the time. There was one mobile home, one little single wide where like a family of 10 were living in there and the septic system, they overloaded it. Uh, so you can imagine what that was (laughs) like. Um, every time I went there, I was getting attacked by dogs. Um, and I had this listing off and on, um, until, uh, sometime in 2020, uh, it took four years to sell it. <laughs> um, and I ended up making, I think I made 700 bucks <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, and I probably put, I don't know, hundred, 200, 300 hours into it. Easily um, way more than $700 mm-hmm. worth of work. Yeah. And I make a lot more than that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, um, that was, that, that went in and out of, I, I had it sold like four or five, six times, something like that, maybe five or six times. And then it it would always fall out of escrow Mm. by the, by the time we were about to close. And then they canceled the listing and then they called me three months later. Can you relist it? And (laughs) it was, um, it was just kind of like a joke after a while. <laughs> so you're like, oh, yeah, I got this one under and contract then I, again. I, I, I remember yeah. the last couple of times um, when we got it under contract, I would just joke with them. I'm like, you know, if this falls apart, I'm never calling you again, right? <laughs> <laughs> we could laugh about it. And it would fall apart. <laughs> um, and they were just like, you're they're your stereotypical landlords where they didn't fix anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or deal with any real problems. We and call they those slumlords. Slumlord. Right. Yeah. yeah. Surprisingly, there aren't a lot of those. Yeah. They're, they're really stereotypical. A lot of landlords that I know are really good people and they like to take care of their investments. I ran into a couple fair. of those when I was in, in college, but it was easy to do it to a college student. Right. <laughs> because there were so many other college students that wanted to rent that place. They mm-hmm. would just go, okay, well move out. I don't care. Right, I'm yeah. not fixing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, hmm. so let's go back to you moved back up here from Florida. Yeah. And you were starting your real estate career up here. Yep. Uh, real estate business up here. How and, did that go? Well, I'll tell you. So the first couple of years in Florida, 
I never really mentioned this. You know, I, I kind of made it sound like I had a great first year, sold mm-hmm. 14 homes. I only made like 12 grand. Oh, wow. Um, the sales prices back then, were, they were like 50, 70 grand, and I was paying splits um, to other agents. Um, so I was just I was just barely getting by still. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first couple of years. I was doing a lot of business. I was real busy. I was probably working 60 hours a week, oh, not wow. even joking. Um, maybe even more because it was just I just never shut it off. And it was like right at the time where smartphones became a thing. Um, so you could always take your work home with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then when I when I got back into real estate in uh, Idaho, um, my brother dragged me to a real estate seminar. Um, and we just we just got inspired again. I'm like, man, I this is why I got in real estate. I forgot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I really want to flip houses and buy rentals one day. And um, a lady that we met, um, that was in the crowd too. She just got laid off from uh, waste management um, in the Spokane area, and it was like a weekend long seminar. And none of us really knew how to get started, of course. But mm-hmm. we exchanged contact, and and I inspired her to get her real estate license in in Spokane. And she's actually killing it. She's a top producing agent now, which oh, is wow. amazing. Um, and she had a deal a couple of years ago where she made like 120 grand on one deal. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Super she, does, awesome. <laughs> she, does pretty, she does pretty well. It's, it was pretty awesome to hear that. But she referred us our first house flip deal. Like um, Her grandmother passed away and her cousin inherited this house in Rathrum. Um, and um, in early 2014, we went and walked through this house. Uh, we called it the snake house because it had this room that a python was in <laughs> and there's a, a rat that like jumped out of the hay <laughs> this house was oh and it was a meth house like oh, not nice. like a meth house but like people were definitely doing meth. yeah <laughs> but it, it looked like one yeah <laughs> yeah um but it was you know it, it was one of those um the cousin called me and um told me yeah i can go check out this house and it was more like a listing opportunity and I still had it in the back of my mind, like maybe I should do run the numbers. I just went to the seminar and mm-hmm. see if like this will work as a house flip. And uh, I had joined a team at the time um, with a much more experienced agent, and he he f- had flipped houses in the past and had rentals. So uh, it was nice to walk through the house with him and just and he just kind of hung out and didn't really say much. Um, but we walked through the place. It was definitely a disaster. Um, at the time, I when I get when I got back on the phone and we were back in the office and like the more experienced agent was right next to me, uh, I, I was talking to the seller and I and I told him, hey, we can probably I think we can probably get sixty five thousand if we listed it, um, and it was a three bedroom one one bath house and bathroom on a half acre. Now that would go for like eight hundred grand. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, like maybe three hundred, but. Um, but uh, it, w- it was really encouraging because he said, the the cousin brought up, he's like, hey, my cousin, uh, Yvette, said that you're an investor and that you may want to buy this house. I'm like, actually, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I was running the numbers. And um, unfortunately, I can't offer 65, but at least um, I, I can offer like 40,000. Um, you wouldn't have to pay any real estate commissions. I'm like, I know that's low, but he, and... And I did not expect him to like respond this way, but he's like, well, would you do 45? <laughs> and my, the, my team leader was right next to me and he can overhear on the phone and he just like wrote, grabbed like a sticky note and he's just like, tie it up. <laughs> so I remember he said, tie it up. And he put it down on my desk and I was like, I think I can. <laughs> 
And I was so freaking nervous and my heart was about yeah. to jump out of his chest because I'm like, I can't, I don't have like 200 bucks in my bank account. What <laughs> <Right>. am I thinking? <laughs> um, so anyway, that was, um, that was how I, I got into flipping houses was with that first deal. And I eventually, and it took a, it was going through a estate like probate. Um, and it took like four months, but my brother and I had four months to figure out how to, how to get this deal funded. And there's a long story that goes into that, but I'll just say, um, we got told no 18 times by everybody, except for this one, one lender that I found on Craigslist. And, um, it came down to a, Hey, if you guys can at least just bring like a thousand dollars to the table, hmm. we'll fund this for you. You guys fund the rehab. Um, so we, <laughs> and we, and we bought two houses at the same time. There was another house that I was, it was a listing of, um, my team leaders and we got it on seller financing and we had to have like $3,000 to buy that one. But we were able to work out seller financing for a couple of years at like mm -hmm. 300 bucks a month. And this place was like another $40,000 house in Rathroom and it was just God awful. Um, cat house, you know, abandoned yeah. cats. Um, sweet. Oh, I've yeah. got a story about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my wife had a Amex credit card, um, that we were able to do the repairs on this first house with, and we got a hard money loan. I think we spent like nine grand just in lender fees. Mm. Um, but he funded, they funded the house for us and we wouldn't have been able to do it without him. Um, and in three months, my brother and I made 44, 45,000 bucks on that house each. Uh, together. Okay. So we together. split it. Yeah. So we took like, I think we each took 11,500 and then we rolled our profits into that other house that we bought that we couldn't afford to fix, mm. but we got on seller financing. Um, and I, I didn't mention this, but we had to come up with like four grand to close on the two houses. Um, we were doing a bunch of bounty hunting and cleaning cars for like two weeks. And I sold my uh, motorcycle I had and like, we did everything we could to come up with four grand within like 10 days. Oh, and we actually did it like right like the day before we needed the money. Wow. Kind of crazy. Little That's awesome. Days. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. When your back's against the wall, it's weird how you can find Yeah, yeah. cleaning cars and arresting people and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> super awesome. Uh, selling whatever we had in the garage. Right. Um, and uh yeah, so we bought so we bought two houses at the same time but we couldn't work on one right away cuz we didn't have the money for it. And then we used my wife's credit card. To, and we did we f learned we didn't know anything about construction either mm -hmm. so we um we just youtubed everything like how to do drywall work and yada, so yada, you yada. were doing the rehab yep wow. yeah and then we did hire a guy for little things here and there that we got a nice referral for um and we would pay him and we'd be kind of like his assistant uh -huh. <laughs> like you just tell us what to do <laughs> yeah got a bunch of helpers so we pay him like 25 bucks an hour um just to kind of for here and there, I think yeah. in total we've spent like maybe twenty four hundred bucks on him mm. for the whole Reno. That's awesome. That is but, awesome. What a great story, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it but it propelled us into the next deal, and then we and then that deal funded the next, and then we were able to just kind of and then I started a um, uh, a real estate um, investor group because there wasn't one in the Coeur d'Alene area mm -hmm. um, where we just have a, a networking event for real estate investors that want to get together. And, um, I, I wanted to center my business, my real estate sales business around this, um, because I was kind of sick and tired of dealing with your average retail buyer and seller. Um, and I knew I wanted to work with investors and just, and be around other people and eventually get maybe partner with people and blah, 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 blah. Um, 
so that's um that's how i eventually got into it, it took me like three or four years to finally become somewhat successful hmm. um in real estate but the first three three and a half years were super tough i was always just barely getting by every month struggle yeah. yeah and then what happened did like a like a switch flipped and all of a sudden you were not struggling as hard yeah well okay so i mean for most of my life at that point i always had maybe like a hundred dollars in my bank account mm-hmm. and after that first flip it seemed like i always had eight to ten thousand dollars in my account and like life just got Life is just easier when you have money. <laughs> Super yeah. easy. It doesn't solve all your problems. Yeah, it doesn't. It easier. does not solve all your problems, but like stress is way down. Yeah, if you when get you don't have to worry about money as much. The Even electric though it's not bill in the mail, you're like, oh, I can't you pay this right think now. About it. You put it all in auto pay, and it's right. just like you have you have enough to get by. You don't have that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, life is way easier when you have a little bit of money. And it's easier to enjoy like, it. They say like mm. money won't make you happy, but fuck, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Because I've been broke most of my life. I yeah. know the difference. <laughs> yeah. I forget which comedian was talking about like, yeah, money, you know, doesn't make you happy, but money buys jet skis. And have you ever seen anybody frowning while riding a jet ski? <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, Todd Point oh or something. Or Tosh, 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 Tosh. Yeah. I heard that too. And you know what? I bought a fucking jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> bought a jet ski three years ago and I've, I maybe put six hours on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a big old grin. <laughs> yeah. Smiling the whole time. It. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> he wasn't joking. You can't be pissed off driving a jet <laughs> Get on all frowny and then just punch the gas. You can if you submerge it accidentally and then break down in the middle of the lake. I yeah. was a little frowny that day. Yeah. I can imagine if you were rowing your jet ski, you might be frowning, I guess. Yeah. Flagging well, so down. It's funny that you mentioned that, though, because because of that little bit, I bought it. I bought it. Like, I want to see if this works. He was right. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. Podcasts are ranked by ratings, so we'd appreciate if you could rate our show and also give us a comment. It would help out the algorithm, which ranks us and helps other people find us more easily. Hey, everybody. If you live in the Coeur d'Alene slash Spokane area and you need your windows cleaned, give Brandon's Window Cleaning a call. They do window cleaning, pressure washing, gutter cleaning, and moss removal. Whether it's business or residential, they do a great job. Brandon's Window Cleaning can be found at brandonswindows.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N-S-W-I-N-D-O-W-S dot C-O-M. That's brandonswindows.com. And we're back. All right. And so, Nick, uh, we left off with you talking about how you were starting to build your business here. Yes. And how you started with uh, one house and that kind of rolled, bankrolled that money into a second house. Yep. Um, and you just continued to bankroll money into uh, other opportunities? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we would keep uh, the, the idea. Was, I mean, in general, we would try to keep half of our profits for ourselves mm. uh, and then roll half of it into an, a new opportunity. Okay. And did you stay with your brother doing this the whole time? Still work with him today. Really? Yeah. So, um, I, and most of the houses that I fix and flip, I'll have him on as a partner. Okay. Uh, but I'm usually doing the acquisitions and kind of coordinating repairs. He'll do all the construction work now. So at the time, we were just kind of 50-50 in it. Mm-hmm. And we were both putting in equal amount of money, equal amount of effort. Um, 
but the first couple of sales, I was also the guy that like found the opportunity and I was also the real estate agent and I was like selling it at like zero commission. Um, and it just really wasn't fair in the long run or mm-hmm. like, or sustainable. Yeah. So eventually we worked out a good agreement where we're like, Hey man, you just control the rehab. I'm not, I'm not the guy swinging the hammer anymore. I'm going to find deals. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help with, I'm going to figure out the financing. You just do the work, hire guys. And, but this took, this took a while mm-hmm. to kind of, because eventually it was just, it was just me and him and zero construction experience. And now he's got like a crew of eight guys and he's done a lot of construction okay. work. Okay. Um, but was he, uh, is it all pretty much self-taught? Did he go to any formal school? No, no school. Yeah. Um, self-taught or learning with other guys and just, I mean, when you, when you got a house, you, you learn, learn, you learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. And when you got several houses, you learn an extra. Nothing's really surprising you and, anymore. And we always seem to have somebody on uh, that we're paying hourly that knew more than we did mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can hire and learn from. And then if there's something just out of our scope, like replacing a service panel or something like that, we'd hire an electrician or roughing in plumbing. We'd hire plumbers. Um, but we're always there to kind of see what's going on. Mm. Um, so we, over time, we I feel like we, we know a lot more about construction than the average person. No. Um, just because we've gotten our hands dirty quite a bit with a lot of, we've taken on a lot of real bad gut jobs that mm-hmm. most people wouldn't touch. So with that, I mean, a lot of people are scared to invest in properties just for that reason. Yeah, they should where, be. Where, uh, <laughs> you know, they're worried that molds in the wall or, there, and there know, is. Yeah. And so what would you say to those guys? Uh, if you're scared about it, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's gonna, cause Murphy's law is going to come to play Yeah, and, uh, everything that you think can go wrong does, you just got to be able to deal with it and know that you got, you just got to buy, right? Uh-huh. You got to buy a house at a real good discount to where there's a lot of margin errors Okay, uh, or air, you know, a lot of margin for a lot of errors and which we had, we, we always, I, I was always very strict because remember the first house I bought, I lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I, that stuck with me, you know, I bought it. Uh, kind of the height of the market. I didn't really run my numbers. It was vacant for almost a year. When it finally did get rented, I was losing like 400 bucks a month. Oh no. Uh, even with it rented <laughs> because the market was so low at the time. The market was right. low. I didn't do any research on like what this house could rent for. I didn't do proper repairs. I like built a shower and boxed in like, um, the washer and dryer, like an idiot. Like you couldn't get the washer and dryer. Oh, in no. house if it broke. <laughs> and it was just a stupid shower. Anyway, like I kind of learned, I learned by trial and error <laughs> a lot at first, um, but but uh, losing that first house and just losing everything really put me at a at a place where okay, if I'm getting back then into this, I'm gonna just do the basics and like listen to the people that I spent all this money in at the classes. And I only got a few like good nuggets out of these real estate investing courses. The biggest thing I got was like, hey, if you're gonna buy a property, just buy it for at least like 70% or less mm-hmm. of what the after repair value is minus whatever your repair costs are. Oh, interesting. And as long as you do that, it's really hard to lose money. And so that always stuck with me. And every house that I bought, I made sure that we bought it for 70% or less of whatever the after repair value was minus whatever we think our repair costs are. Interesting. And that always left enough margin to get a hard money loan and pay a lot of interest Mm -hmm. to a hard money lender and a lot of fees. It left margin to be off on our repairs. Like, Oh shoot, we're spending 40% more than we thought (laughs) on our repairs, but it's okay. Um, 
the market honestly we got lucky with the market is uh-huh. constantly going up all the time last few years um so i mean if the market was steady we probably would have lost on a couple of houses um but but we could have we, but we bought them right so we could have turned them into rentals mm-hmm. um so i think you have to have multiple exit strategies okay you know if you're not That's gonna if you got to run it as a rental too does this work as a rental and a flip if so go ahead and buy it gotcha um, does that gotcha. make sense it yes does. absolutely yeah yeah that's weird that we say that together um (laughs) loaded answer right we got a buddy that listens to it and he counts every time he says the word absolutely 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 100 (laughs) percent thousand percent yeah yeah but anyway you were asking so so at the same so i guess i was building i wasn't just building the real estate flipping company at the same time as i was building a real estate uh, my real estate sales business Mm -hmm. because at the same time i was also you know, I wasn't making a living flipping houses because you only get paid every like six months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had to have like a regular job to pay the income. And um, I had I had made the decision that I was going to hang up my polos and I was just going to wear what I want to wear and be who I was going to be and just and just go after investors, clients, because mm-hmm. I knew your average retail buyer or seller, they're usually pretty emotional. And they just can't help it. They're doing like something that they only do every few years. Yeah. Buy or sell a house. And their emotions are like a level 10. And they don't mind calling you on the weekends and at night and stuff. And if you don't answer their calls at those times, you're a bad agent. Mm. Um, but an investor client, there's no, there's, there's never that sense of panic. Like it's just what they do for a living. They don't mind like calls within business hours they don't need calls on the weekend and um they don't need to be loyal either and that's fine you bring them a deal they'll work with you um you don't need to worry about them using you every single time because they're just they're doing as many the average buyer or seller will buy or sell a house every once once every five to seven years and 95 percent of the real estate agents out there fight over those people and then but 30 percent of the market are investors Nobody, no real estate agents go after that, but like 5% of the agents out there. And that's 30% of the market and they do as many deals as they can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you bring them a good opportunity and if they're the right investor, you can make a commission when you help them buy a house. You can make a commission when you help them sell a house and they may have multiple (laughs) deals to do with you that year. And if Mm. you have, you only need 20 investors to have a good business. Um, But over time, like now I've got about 600 investors in my database so i have a team of people now that help me with those people that's awesome um but i just i just decided to build a platform or like a real life event where people can go and network and meet other meet other real estate investors and invest um people that have money to lend Mm -hmm. um contractors that need work that want to work with investors people that are just new and interested that maybe have money just whoever wants to go to these kind of things. Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, but I just, I decided that I was, yeah, going to hang up the polo. I'm going to work with people that I want to work with mm-hmm. that are more like, like-minded like me. And, um, it was slow at first. It took about six months, but after that, um, my business just exploded. Um, I just, I couldn't keep up with it. And I, I knew eventually I'd have to bring on help or grow a team. And I always, I always knew I wanted to grow a team because before I ever started with Keller Williams, I read their book, mm-hmm. the Red Book, and it teaches you how to grow a real estate business by growing a team of agents and admin, 
to where eventually you can just walk away from it. And it's, it's this machine that's, it's an actual business that's making money for you. You don't, you don't have to be there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm almost at that. We're pretty much at that point. I can, I can go away for a couple of months and things will be just fine. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's the dream right there. Uh, yeah. It, but it took, it took a while to get there. Yeah. And I just had to, I had that vision for a long time. Uh huh. Um, and I just slowly put the pieces in place and played by the book somewhat. <laughs> huh. Um, and I have a consistent lead generation model of, you know, we have an event every month that we can't not show up to because mm-hmm. people will show up to it. Mm-hmm. So we can't just one day have the doors locked <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or else yeah. nobody will show up to it anymore. Yeah. What's your event that it's, in case anybody's interested? So it's, uh, it's in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's the first Thursday of each month at 6.30 p.m. at the Keller Williams Realty Office in Coeur d'Alene. Um, it's open to the public. Um, and it's a place where seasoned investors or newbies or people that just want to work with investors on their, however, or if they just want to come there and learn something new, what's going on in the market, or if they just have nothing to do and they just want to <laughs> learn about business <laughs> in general. We basically, so it's like a two hour event, but it usually goes on for like four hours. People just won't leave. Um, <laughs> And uh, they'll come in. People will just chat for a while, and then I'll do I'll do my little introductions. Hey, everyone! Thanks for coming. Let's go around the room. Tell everybody why you're here and what you want to get out of this. And it'll take like a half hour sometimes to go through a room of maybe 40, 50 people. Um, but all those people are potential clients. Um, and your average real estate agent, they will work three hours a day to try to get one appointment to meet with one person, either a buyer or seller to do business with maybe eventually. So I just had it in my mind. Hey, if I can just do an event once a month and have like 30 people show up, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause you're face to face with people <laughs> and it's like an appointment. Yeah. Cause you're talking to them all at once. And in real estate, um, most people will work with the first agent that they like 60% of the people will work with the first agent that they meet face to face. Um, hmm. so I just thought, Hey, why not, why not do this? Cause it made sense to me at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still makes smart. sense to do. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, and I didn't want to do cold calls. Yeah. 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 I mean, cold calling, I imagine is very hard. It is. I've done it for a long time. Yeah. It sucked. Never. It was inefficient. Yeah. I mean, it works. That's why people do it, but it's a lot of work and it's, um, it's just not what I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to work with people that like I had to sell to work with me or that didn't really want my call. Mm-hmm. What's great about what I do now is that the people that show up to this event, they're like obsessed with real estate like I am. So we have something like-minded. Mm-hmm. And what's great about like these days, you have the internet where people can like find these specialty little groups to be a part of. And you can have a networking event for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just you're a guitar enthusiast you can put it on meetup and people will show up to it probably yeah, yeah i like to talk about guitars with somebody <laughs> i just moved here i need friends you know yeah. and people there's a lot of people that just move up here and they just are obsessed with real estate and they just want to meet new friends mm-hmm. so they come to the event and sometimes you'll do multi-million dollar deals with them awesome <laughs> um it's it just happens cool. it like you just you create a little environment of like-minded people to show up to and people show up that you want to work with Hmm. Um, so that, that really helped me, um, uh, be able to build and almost everybody that's on my team. I met at one of these events that came to the, one of the events. That's um, awesome. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. 
Huh. So, <clears throat> Nick, you've got two kids? I've got two kids. And what are their ages? Uh, four and two. Four and two. Four both year girls? Old daughter, four-year-old daughter, two-year-old boy. Four got year old daughter, one of each. Lucky. Yep. And then we snip my wife's cords. Oh. <laughs> Good nice. at you. We're going the other way with that. I just actually revealed the other day on my podcast. You're soldering cords? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're soldering. Um, and and I, I missed my appointment uh-huh. a couple weeks ago. And my wife heard that one. Oh, did she? She did. She, she, she listened to one episode of our show, and it was that one. Oh, nice. Uh-oh. <laughs> So that you missed your vasectomy. It was an accident, nice. you know. So now, now it's rescheduled. But that's nice. My <laughs> wife doesn't listen to my podcast or anything. I do, so yeah. that's good. <laughs> well, my wife actually threatened me. She said, "I'm going to start my own podcast, and it's going to be my reaction to your dumb podcast." <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm like, you should do that. Let's do it. So she didn't do it yet, as far as I know. But uh, so. Your kids are still pretty young yet, though. But you in your life have tasted what it's like to be broke a lot, essentially not have, not have a lot of money, not have a lot of available funds to you. Right. I Um, know it kind of worries me and (laughs) kids might be spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and that's a, that's a fear for a lot of people. Actually, that's a, that's a legitimate fear of mine that, that, because I I mean, I kind of essentially grew up the same way as you did in that aspect to where we never had any money. Were you a free range kid? I was. I if I, I as long as I was home by dark, it was yeah. fine. It didn't Same matter. It didn't matter if I did homework or anything. Seems like it's a different world. Yeah, we live in totally we can't different. Just, we can't raise our kids that way. We might get, go to jail. Right. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so my question is: is do you do you have a a plan to sort of help set your kids up to to taste success faster in life than than say what you did? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So like my daughter, well, I'll drive her by, she's only four, but she's pretty, she's pretty smart and with it. And she, she loves us for now, which is good. I heard that'll change. But. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'll talk to her about like randomly, I'll just tell her what I do. Like I fix, I, I build houses and fix them up. Um, and, and I'll drive her by a house and be like, yeah, this house right here, we're, we're going to make pretty. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. And like, and uh, we've been, we talked about it just like a couple of months ago. Like, hey, do you want, when you're older, do you want to work with me? And you can work with me and fix up these houses and make them pretty. And she's like, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so I, my daughter, even though she's four, she's committed to working with <laughs> awesome. But Do you, do um, you have under, under contract yeah. though? Gave you that verbal no, under contract. <laughs> <laughs> when, when they're a little bit older though, I am going to, I'm going to encourage them to like do like lemonade stands and, and maybe eventually like I'm going to teach them about money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to make that a thing. Cause like, my, my dad kind of taught me just a little, little bit here and there, but it really did help. He didn't teach me much. Um, but there were, there are a few moments in my life where I made certain decisions because of what he said, mm. even though he never talked to me much and he really stays out of my life quite a bit. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't have any bad blood, but he's just not that interested. <laughs> um, half of me being in real estate is because I wanted to impress him, and he—I think he's—he might be impressed. I don't know because <laughs> he used to be an agent too. Um, he just sucked at it. <laughs> maybe he's jealous. Yeah, maybe. No, he's a—he's a really nice guy, but uh, he lives five minutes away, and he's seen my kids maybe. 
maybe six times. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. He's just not that interested. Yeah. Which is interesting. Very interesting. Um, still trying to figure that out. <laughs> so but you're going to try to teach him like entrepreneurial type stuff? <clears throat> Get my out kids? There. Yeah. Of course. I don't want them to fall into the trap of getting a job mm. because I feel like you're just fighting an uphill battle. And, I, and I've done the math. I'm obsessed. I'm not good at much in, academically other than math. And what I've learned is that the U.S. dollar is collapsing um, and people that have jobs are just, you, they have one client and that's their boss. And if they piss off their client, they could get fired and they have to start over. Um, and I've always found it so risky. And I'm sorry. I know you guys have jobs and you're, yeah. breathing, you're breathing hard. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Cause it's true. It's so, yes. Um, but I've always, I've always felt that, um, that it was my dad. My dad told me once and he handed me a book. Um, and he said, you can't, you can't ever get rich working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that that was the name of the book. (laughs) I never read it, but the cover explained it all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm not good at reading books. (laughs) Audible. I can do audible. (laughs) Nice. Um, but that was one thing. And he was never a good employee, but he was always, he was okay. Self-employed and like, and you know, getting money from the government disability and stuff. Um, but um, I just know that I don't. I, I want to teach my kids about real life and how money works because I feel like it's just not taught in schools. It's not taught by most parents. Um, but money is—it's um, a sick game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not what people think it is. It's a depreciating ass. It's not. I mean, it's a—it's almost a liability. Um, and you—you sh- you should have your money in. Um, or your wealth tied up in assets that are appreciating that way you're not fighting an uphill battle your whole life and you shouldn't I don't think that you should have a job um, or count on having a job until you retire if that makes sense what do you mean um, until until you retire what do you mean by that well just because at the rate of um, at the rate of where, where inflation's going and how and how the US dollar is depreciating um, I feel like it's never going to be enough mm-hmm. to actually cover your living expenses. And, uh, it's just getting tighter and tighter for people out there. I mean, just this year alone, we've lost like 35% of the U S dollar value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and people don't talk about that, but they've, I think they've seen it in inflation. Yeah. You've seen it in housing prices. Yeah. Um, a lot of that has to do with just the printing press. Yeah. Well, if we run out of money, um, we just print more. Well, that's the solution. With the COVID stimulus and, and everything. Yeah, that's just depreciating <laughs> it more and more. Yeah, but it, but it's a real thing and it's a real problem that people I don't think are taking seriously enough that like you you almost you have to get rich or you're going to be broke forever. If that makes sense. There's no room be, there's no in between. Wise words. Those, those are <laughs> wise words actually. <laughs> I wish the, I I wish you'd told me that when I was 20. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, huh yeah so um with your kids you're teaching them uh entrepreneurship you're gonna have them intern with you i'm sure uh learn what dad does um i know that there's a ton that goes into like the the real estate business does your wife do that with you she started yeah so she was able to leave her job last year and when she start, she was going to start helping out with investments um and so she's doing a mix of uh, a mix of different things. COVID happened obviously mm-hmm. at the start of 2020, and that kind of threw us for a loop because um, we had kids in daycare, 
Yeah. And then they're out of daycare and then back in and she can't really work with me when, you know, two and four, you guys have kids, mm-hmm. two and four year olds can't really do much, but watch the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if she um, is trying to help work, help yeah. you work, it's not working out for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I've got, I've got another business of a, a new construction, um, spec building company. Um, and she helps out there by doing like draw submitting for, um, all the draws that we need with our builders. Um, so she's in charge of making sure that we get those draws and get lien releases to, um, to the bank to release funds to constantly keep our projects going. And then she also helps with our, our side fix and flips and our rentals that we have to fix up that we're flipping to ourselves. Um, she'll keep track of the labor cost and uh, pay people on Fridays and that kind of stuff. So she, um, collects receipts. Uh, I also have my assistant doing that. We're still working on systems for that. Cause like I worked, I did it for the longest time and then I got an assistant and then my assistant was doing it for the longest time. And then it got too, too distracting for her. Cause we have this big real estate sales team business and I was giving too much of my personal stuff to her. So I brought my wife on. Um, so we're still, we're not perfect yet, yeah. but, um, my wife is doing a bunch of different roles in the, admin air of things and um and also having to stay with the kids every time the daycare is shut down <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and the kids get sick she's got to be there it seems like yeah the kids get sick like every other week <laughs> <laughs> oh they're kids and if they're out yeah. playing they're gonna get sick yeah. and this so. year has been weird especially like usually they just get sick and they stay in daycare but if they're sick they have to come out yeah. of daycare because of COVID. quarantine right <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like it's just this constant battle this last year of like mm pretending that we might have covid and then like we get the we've had like freaking 18 tests this year (laughs) they're all negative well we get tested once a week once a week yeah 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 we have yeah it's required it's required by our job we can't wait to like i just want to get covid to get this over with well covid veteran right here yeah yeah it doesn't change you still i mean it does you still not, have to get tested. Yeah, you still like uh cuz we work in Washington, we're still, you know, mandatory that you wear a mask even though allegedly you're not allowed or you don't get it and you can't give it for 90 days. That's what they tell you. But I mean, I had super mild symptoms when I tested positive. I had a a slight runny nose and I had just got the flu shot. Well, I don't mean to get too political, mm-hmm. but here pretty soon at work, we're going to be wearing two masks. I oh, yeah. hope we wear three. That's the new stuff that's coming. Two out. of them. Yeah. So it's yeah. that much harder. You got to Doctor Fauci put out that two masks are are better than much one. Much more effective. Yeah. So. Three is better than. How two. do you breathe with two masks? <laughs> Doesn't it seem like less healthy? Isn't oxygen good? <laughs> yeah. But it's it's more healthy for people around you, I guess. I, I don't. I don't know. I, if I'm you not wear, if you wear two masks, it shows that you care. That's one mask used to show that you care. Now it's two. Right. Yeah. I'm going to wear three. <laughs> you know, I'm wearing six. <laughs> Just got to keep one up. And- I saw a guy in Lowe's yesterday. He was wearing, he was, he was wearing the mask and um, a welding like mask oh, nice, thing yeah. on the top of shield. that. And he had like big old gloves on. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, uh, and he didn't look like the kind of guy that would wear a mask. I was yeah. just like, he might have COVID. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just being extra cautious and needs to go to Lowe's for. A while. <laughs> yeah, no, there, I mean, there's certain things that I agree with, like. Uh, um, if you're, I guess, raised not to cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze, yeah. I guess it's it it shoots out up to six feet. Uh-huh. I have a problem with people just you know those social mannerisms of uh, 
I'm just going to sneeze at you and not cover my mouth. Right. Um, if you're sick, I get that maybe you should wear a mask and not drool all over everything, you know, like use hand sanitizer. But I don't know. I, I, I was on the fence about masks. The, the longer that we go on and now, you know, two masks is better than one. The, the less okay I am with it, I guess that I, uh, saw this video of this doctor talking about, I wear a mask because this country is so full of fear that if I don't, it shows that I don't care about people. No. Yeah. And so I don't know. Yeah. Not to get political with it. Well, essentially, I don't know if it's political though. We're just talking. What I'll do is we're not, we're not talking about like actual politics. Yeah. (laughs) I'm totally against masks. I am. But what I'll do if a store says, "Hey, you need to wear it to come into yeah. our store to buy our stuff," Just I look at it as like no shoes, no shirt, no yeah. service, right? Yeah, no mask. I don't care. Whatever, I'll put one on. It doesn't yeah. bother me. But as soon as I walk out of that store, that thing's coming off because I don't like them, right? Yeah. So whatever. I've seen you driving in your car with a mask <laughs> on by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously doubt that. <laughs> yeah, I made yeah. fun of it for a while. And then I, a, a good friend of mine who actually like he introduced my wife and I one night. Um, he he had COVID for like forty something days and was in and out of the hospital and he yeah. almost died apparently. Oof, yeah. uh, and he's my age. Ugh. And I was like, oh wow. And so I, I guess this is. But this was like back when I didn't think it was like it was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess it's I guess it's an issue. Yeah. For some. Right. Um, yeah. I understand some people get it and it's super bad, super bad. I understand that. But the same thing can be said with the flu. Right. Like I very rarely get the flu. And then when I, sometimes when I do get the flu, I feel like I am going to die. Yeah. I mean, COVID maybe is a step further. Maybe. I mean. Right. So. It's a bad flu. Yeah. Super bad people. Yeah. For some people. They say that uh, vitamin D. That's just what it is. I don't know why people have to get so pissed when we talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) They say that vitamin D is a, a big factor with uh covid apparently it's it's very hard on people that have low vitamin d yeah i double up i take one in the morning one at night yeah yeah i take eight thousand i do a a day yeah and i do one of those emergency packets every morning before i go to the gym and i I just do whatever joe rogan says yeah well that's never been talked about i mean (laughs) whatever joe rogan says to do i do it which is kind of why we're sitting here right now because joe rogan said if you if you're thinking about starting a podcast do it i did a podcast too yeah yeah you do a podcast too let's tell me a little bit about that okay so the podcast um i felt like i uh, i really wanted to do it a year ago and it was it was pretty fun because i was at a point where i was like i was finally I had enough people on the team where I can refer all my business to and just focus on my real estate investments, like my my flips and my rentals and uh, new construction and stuff. And, um, and I probably did, I cranked out like seven or eight podcasts like within like a week. Mm. <laughs> and we were able to line them all up for like each week. And we did maybe half the year of 2020. Um, I was able to do uh, within just a couple of months and like kind of space them out. Um, and I just want to get back in the habit of that because it's actually like really kind of cool that I'll, I'll meet people that have said, Hey, I've seen you on Facebook or I've seen you on YouTube or I've seen you on, uh, I've, I've been listening to your podcast. It's awesome. I listened mm-hmm. to that episode with, and it was, it's just, it's another avenue of getting recognition out there or like staying in touch with your database or the people that you want to, reach out to and offer value to because um it 
eventually they may want to do business with me or my team. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just another outlet to like have a very, if I can do one hour of just having a cool conversation with some investor that I like, that's really experienced and then just put it out there. Um, I've seen it like have like a hundred hours or more, you know, hundred two hour, 200 hours of viewing time just on YouTube. Yeah. And like, who knows how much on the other yeah, platforms, platforms out there. Like it's like, a, it's just out there. And, and when COVID happened, it was the first time we had to like kind of stop our event for just a couple of months and we did it on Facebook live. And, um, we normally get like 30, 40 people, 50 people sometimes that show up to these. And, um, when we did our first Facebook live, I noticed like only like thir 12 or 13 people were like watching it live. But, uh, I looked at it again after we did our like little Facebook live investor meeting and we just talked about the market and we were just chatting for a good hour or so looked at it again like five days later and I had like 400 views <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like that's actually and it's just out there it could get and it probably has a lot more at this point uh -huh. like um, there's a lot to be said with it's just like, like a highly leveraged way of um, having like a timestamp out there of content that people can go always go back to because mm -hmm. um, normally when you're prospecting you do it once and it's over you make a phone call. Hey, I'm just curious if you're interested in meeting up for coffee. Talk about real estate. It's a prospecting call. It took time. took a half hour. When you're doing some sort of podcast or something like that, and you're in the real estate business, you're always just, you're just trying to get appointments to meet with people face-to-face -face because eventually they may work with you a year and a half down the road. Um, and that's actually my average, by the way. Like anytime I sell a house... Uh, we keep track of like when I first met with that person or first had them in my database or had a conversation. And when we actually did a transaction that closed, it's about a year and a half out. Mm. Um, but when you can, when you have a lot of like over time, people can just go back or random people and like watch an episode that you did with some investor in town. Um, and it's just like a residual type of thing that just happens. Yeah. That's awesome. years down the road um it just makes sense to do it and it's fun it's easy so Super it's like fun. it's just it's just another form of lead generation mm -hmm. if that makes sense um and it's just it's highly leveraged and easy to do and you're not selling really anything you're just talking you just talk about uh markets and and uh i usually just talk about like with that investor how they got started and what's their story Mm. And um, what what are your plans this year? Isn't this market crazy? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, it was fun. <laughs> Have a good one. Uh. Hey, hey. If anybody wants to reach out to you, how do you get? How do they get a yeah. hold of you? Yeah, you know, you're just you're offering value to those people too, because a lot of the people I interview are they made like wholesale deals. So if like the audience wants to get in touch with them to be on their list, they may get a deal from that person because mm. they like they specialize maybe in just like getting really good deals under contract and they're just flipping the contract to whoever wants to buy it for five grand, 50 grand more, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but they could be getting a discount off market by buying with one of those people, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So it's all about just offering value to the market and with the internet and podcasts and YouTube and stuff. It's just, it's, it's just an interesting medium because it could be, people can come back to it. And when you only think, Oh shoot, it only had like only 40 people looked at it. 
And then you look a few months later, you're like, oh, 800 people looked at that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's interesting. Like that's a, that was worth the 30 minutes. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had 800 people watch (laughs) something to look at it. Yeah. Where I said, Hey, if you ever want to get in a hold of me for real estate, there's my info. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And it took me a half hour to create. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best marketing tools for sure. Yeah. It's just, uh, why not? It's like doing your prospecting (laughs) over and over again, 800 times. Right. It's, or, it's just about being being efficient and reaching people out the way they want to be reached out to these days. People don't like calls anymore. No. Yeah. People yeah. don't like when he like, I leave voicemails constantly. Nobody listens to them. Uh-uh. I still do it. <laughs> I, I guarantee I call it. people and people ask me like not to call them. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they like, but we're, I'm working on a house deal with you. Don't you, can't you just text me? I'm like, yeah. I, I make calls, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. People, people don't would like, prefer people, text, huh? 80s it's like the statistics like eight years ago were like 80 something percent of people like prefer a text over a call yeah i think it's just but see they've never known the struggle of what it's like to if your phone cord was long enough to go in the other room where you could actually have a private conversation right you know what i found weird that i just learned a couple within the last couple of years people don't check voicemails Like seventeen percent of people actually <laughs> check their voicemails. Did oh, you guys wow. know that? No, I, I'm in the seventeen percentile. Vo- do you check your voicemails every day? Every, every time voice. I get one, I can't say that I check them that often. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> people leave you a voicemail, yeah. you just don't check yeah. it. That's so yeah. weird. I figure it's, it's weird to me. They'll text me. Yeah. I check it every time. I go, oh, I missed a call. Oh, there's a voicemail. Yeah, and I check it. I always wonder why people wouldn't call me back. <laughs> yeah. people are listening to the message because you gotta text them cold text yeah right? cold texting yes. yeah people respond to texts a lot more than they do yeah calls yeah but i mean the same but thing we're just goes in a with, different world yeah the same thing goes with uh you know i remember back in the day i'd be with my parents and they would you know just swing by someone's house now swinging by is not a very common thing no you know my wife's parents swing by our house so they're like people yeah. Anytime the doorbell rings, it's either you, the UPS guy, or it's my wife's parents. Mm-hmm. It's nobody else. <laughs> yeah, it's not not common anymore. But mm-hmm. so I asked this question, uh, or a version thereof, every episode, um, and obviously we're no different here. But what would you do, Nick? Okay, in say in like twelve years, your daughter's what four now? So when she's 16, 18 years old ish. And she come up to you, and you you guys had worked together. You you'd done all this awesome real estate training with her, and she said, "You know, Dad, I think I'd rather be a police officer for the rest of my life." I would say that's that's awesome. Don't half-ass it. Really? Mm. Yeah. Huh. What What do you mean by don't don't half? Don't like if you if you really want this, like be a, the best police officer you can. Awesome. Don't. Don't, you know, just kind of wag your tail around and think, mm-hmm. I think I like this. Don't don't go in half-assed. Like, you really give it your all. Be the best you can be. That's interesting. And I support you 100%. That's a great answer. Yeah. I like <laughs> it. A, yeah. I like yeah. it a lot. Huh. <laughs> you weren't trying to convince her at all to do, like, be your own boss. No, I'm always going to be there. I'm always going to hint. I'm always going to throw those little hints in there yeah um but no if somebody wants to be a police officer why try to convince them to be something else yeah because i think it's really easy to persuade people Mm. 
it has been for me anyway. It's yeah. 100% easy to persuade people. Persuade people to get into different career fields. But if she comes to me and she's like, I really want to be a police officer. Do it. <laughs> you know what? Because you can buy real estate on the side and, and you yeah. can build a fortune. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot. I, I know cops. David Green was a cop. You know, the, the bigger pockets guy. Mm-hmm. You probably don't know who I'm talking about. I do but, know who I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. um, Podcast. And he, and he built a real rental portfolio. You can still invest in real estate and grow grow wealth uh-huh. having a full-time job. Because but buying rental properties isn't a full-time gig. Yeah. You just got to know how to do it. Yeah. So what else are you, uh, what other businesses do you have? Um, so I have a media company, uh, with a couple employees, um, and they specialize, we specialize in, um, servicing real estate agents, um, listing photos and videos and, um, uh, 3d tours and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, they, uh, we've been doing, I've been doing that for about a year and a half with those guys. I'm, I'm completely, I'm really hands off. Yeah. Um, and um it's not profitable yet i know it will be someday Uh um but i'm what's great about it though like whenever they're not busy i can i can take them and use them on like projects that i'm working on like hey can you go to this house and tear out the walls yeah (laughs) so i'm i always have extra work for them if they're if they're not busy but they usually have like two or three appointments a day okay Mm -hmm. nice and then i've got um so I've got the house flipping company with uh-huh. my brother. We usually do uh, three houses a year or so. Um, I just I got heavily into new construction this last year because our market is. I knew we needed to kind of shift away from working with buyers and sellers because mm-hmm. our inventory is so low. And we had to focus on building because um, that's what the market needs. Didn't realize it'd be so damn profitable. Yeah, very happy about that because you know what, what's been getting me going. What's been getting me. Most of my income has been real estate sales. And, you know, we sold 117 homes last year and we did really well. Um, but just like, just sold three houses up north and made more money on that than oh, like. Wow. <laughs> um, it's, it's a really, it's been good to us so far. But I've used those same like models of like, don't buy over 70% mm-hmm. of the after repair value, but we just replace it with build. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are you your own, uh, like general contractor? Are you buying from a, so with that, so with that business, I'm, I'm in a three-way partnership between myself, a guy on my team, Tyler Wagner and North star construction. Um, and we, we actually share an office up North. So I have, um, half my team is up. We have an expansion office in Ponderay, Idaho. Okay. So we got a little office and we share it with the builders. Um, and we'll buy these lots and we'll raise the capital for the lots and then we'll use the lots as um, our collateral to get a construction loan to build these homes. Um, and we'll split the profits three ways, but we also build in our own fees too. So the builders are getting seven and a half percent every time they get a draw over their cost. And we're getting a seven and a half percent commission uh, when we go to sell the house. So that way we don't take away from our uh, real estate sales business, uh, mm. even though we're putting a lot of focus on that. Yeah. Um, so we actually get like a higher commission too on these houses that we're developing with them. Cause typically isn't what five or 6%. Yeah. Like a 6% commission mm. is average. And then you usually split that 50, 50 with whatever buyer broker you're dealing with, whoever's bringing a buyer. Mm-hmm. So we'll, so with like these new construction homes, um, 
we'll we'll still split three percent with a buyer's agent we'll take four and a half percent and then that four and a half percent is like split between uh tyler gets six i'm going way into depth (laughs) tyler gets most of it because he's dealing with the listing i don't have to deal with much but he's using our our he's in our company and um um and we get 40 and then i have a partner too in this company so i co-run this real estate sales team that i have i actually co-run with joe turner she helped me build this business when I met her a few years ago. And um, I knew I needed somebody to help me grow a business because I was, I'm the antisocial weird guy. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not good with people. I eventually, I, I'm good with people sometimes, but mostly I'm just an awkward weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but she's good at, she's good at building relationships and working with buyers and, and coaching and mentoring the people on our team. Um, and she's also an investor and she buys rental properties almost every six months. Um, and so we work really well together. We have fun. We, um, let's see what else we got going on. Um, I've got a portfolio of rental houses that I've been buying over Mm -hmm. the years. Um, and I've been, instead of fixing and flipping houses, mostly lately I've been fixing and flipping them to myself and like refinancing them doing that burr strategy. Yeah. You've heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's where you like buy a property. Uh, you, you buy it like um, with cash or hard money and it's in disrepair and you renovate it and then you rent it out and then you refinance it with a cash out refi and you can refinance so much of the value and you can usually get pay off your lenders and get some extra cash. Sometimes that's tax free. A lot easier to do if it's already under contract. Somebody's already renting it out, right? Well, yeah, when it's rented, I mean, you just have to wait six months after Mm -hmm. you buy it. But once you renovate it and if you buy it a good, you know, if you get a great deal, this kind of strategy will save you a lot in taxes um, and you're flipping it to yourself. So it's it's like having the best of both worlds with instead of just fixing and flipping a property, you know, the the house goes away and you get one one like payday Mm. and that's it. And that payday is taxed at like the highest rate, (laughs) you know, capital gains. but when you fix and flip to yourself in this burst strategy, the money that you pull out in a refi is tax free because it's debt. Because it's so a, you can a loan. Pull yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's still cash flow and you got to keep it. And then it, it pays you every month and then it may grow in value over time. Pretty much always does. So it's, it's almost, it's one of the better strategies to invest in real estate. It's called, it's the burst strategy. It's where you're fixing and flipping to yourself and refinancing and keeping a property. And it, it just, it, almost always makes the most sense um for for your wealth long term now what do you say to the people that are out there that say that you know the the market right now is just too hot there's no deals out there to be made yeah um i mean they're gonna have an excuse when the market's down and there's plenty of inventory yeah that's probably those are the same people yeah yeah I make excuses all the time. Yeah. <laughs> There's always, matter. I mean, it's so, it's always so easy to give an excuse. Yeah. With anything. It's always a bad time. It's never a bad, it's never a great time to buy a house or a rental. It's never <laughs> a great time to have a kid either. Yeah. yeah. You, you always think you'll be ready. You yeah. never are. I bought a fixer upper this morning. Um, and I already had like 13 projects going on. Uh huh. And I have like no time in a day. <laughs> it was not a good time to buy it. Uh huh. But it made sense, and I just had the proper. It, it's never a good time, but I did it. Yeah, because I know I have people on my team that are hungry to fix and flip a house, and I can just partner. And I partnered with them, um, 
we just I'll just take a quarter of the profits and I brought the deal to them and one of the gals she's gonna um, court, she's gonna bring in the money to renovate it I've got a guy who's gonna let um, give us the money and the other guy and and then they're all gonna f uh, fix it up together and I'm making a commission selling it I'm gonna make a commission <laughs> selling it again when it's done nice and I'm making uh, probably 17 grand in profits when it's done oh wow on my end Mm -hmm. And they're all going to make 17 grand each. It wasn't a good time. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. No, it's not a good time. I don't have any time for this. Uh-huh. But it makes but sense. Yeah. It makes It's never going to be a good time. Hmm. So, does that uh, make sense? It do, it really does. Yeah. So, someone the market's too hot. Yeah. It's too easy to sell a house right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 We we say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> It's just too easy. Yeah. Um, so someone who's looking into getting into real estate investing, what would you say step one is? Figure out if you really want it. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Do you have the time? If somebody has a full-time job and they want to like, and what kind of investing do they want to do? Let's say rentals. Rentals. Okay. They got any money? They got, do they know what they want? I mean, it's, it's, if somebody wants to get into it, I think they should maybe just come to a meetup, learn what it's about, mm -hmm. listen to some podcasts. Um, if they don't own a house at all right now, the easiest thing, easiest way to get started is just to go get, just go buy a house to live in and then like rent out some rooms or build um, an ADU on the property if the zoning makes sense. Okay. Or buy a duplex or fourplex with an, with an FHA loan and have the renters cover your mortgage. And then house move hacking. out of it. Yeah, do some house hacking. Yeah. Um, if they don't already own a house, that's the easiest mm -hmm. way to get it. Is um, because you can get a government loan with a very low down or zero down in most cases, depending on your income situation and all that. If if you really want to get into rentals and you're like unemployed and you don't have any money or no job, it's going to be really hard. <laughs> you should just go get a job first. Yeah. <laughs> you need to have some sort of income coming in, or else you won't qualify for a loan to eventually refinance it and keep it long term mm -hmm. cuz you got to have that and you can always you can always if you get like a super killer deal you can always have hard money loans on it i guess but um you're almost never going to get as much rental income that you're going to need to pay the high interest loans yeah. so if somebody if somebody just really wants to get in to investing and yeah get into rentals it just depends on where they are now i guess mhm mm um I think the answer is going to vary completely depending on their situation right now. If that makes sense. I guess if you're completely broke, but you have a job, go buy a house, get some roommates yeah, and then move out of it um, okay. and buy another house, do the same thing with the low down low, you know, now how, um, how about Airbnb? Do you deal with that at all? Yeah. 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 I've, I've had an Airbnb. Uh, I sold it. Yeah. Um, it, it made decent income. It was, but it was way different um, than my my other rentals. Was it more work, more profitable? It was slightly more profitable, hell of a lot more work. Yeah, hmm. and just things that you just never think of to deal with. Like, I remember I got, I I bought a a cool cabin out in Wardner, Idaho, that I actually used to live in at one point. Okay, um, but I bought it as an Airbnb. We fixed it up to this like ski cabin. And we actually did pretty well on it. We made like 13 grand within like 18 months or oh. sorry, eight months or so. 
Um, but it was, it was just different because it's like it's like another business that you have to constantly massage and oh, there's booking here. Okay, we got to get the cleaner. Okay, do we have enough paper towels? We got paper toilet paper mm-hmm. in this market, right? Do we have toilet paper <laughs> in this market? Um, oh, we're getting a call. Okay, I gotta I gotta run to the cabin. This guy's got a bear on his front porch <laughs> and oh. he doesn't know what to do because he's from Seattle. <laughs> so I gotta go give him bear spray and yeah. see if he's okay. <laughs> but, um. I have rental properties that I've never heard. I've, I fixed them up five years ago and I never haven't heard anything since. Oh. And I just get checks in my, or I don't, I get deposits in my account every month. And that's, I'd like that better. Yeah. I can imagine you use a, uh, like a property management company. Yeah. Yeah. Recommend. Yeah. That. I want to, I, but I want to scale, you know, I want to own hundreds of rental properties yeah. someday. So I can't, I can't be managing everything. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure I'm getting a good enough deal to where I can afford to pay a manager. Um, so I work that in every time I'm mm-hmm. analyzing a deal. Can I afford to pay the manager this? Good. Then I don't have to think about it at all. And it's just, just all the anxiety tricks. goes away. Yeah. Because you're not responding to anything unless it's like the sewer needs replaced or something. <laughs> <laughs> something major. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But usually when you're buying a property and you're fixing it up completely and then you're you're doing like that bird strategy. You don't really have to worry that much. You don't have to worry much about anything. And usually a property manager can take care of most repairs. You don't even see it unless it's on your statement once a month. But yeah. Yeah. Um, deal. So I think we're gonna I think we're gonna wrap it up for the evening. Um, it's been great talking to you. It's been super awesome. Um, I just have one more question for you. Sure. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? No. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. First one. Perfect. Just kidding. I guess, I, I don't know. I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Mm. Um, so I, I mean, this helped me with my life. Um, I I remember looking at a chart that they presented to me in elementary school. I don't know, second or third, fourth grade, something like that. And I've seen it again a couple of times. It's called a pyramid of learning chart. Um, and it, and it has the, the way the human brain retains information. And like at the top is like the least effective ways that people retain information, and that's like reading and writing. And then it's like lecturing and then listening and blah, 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 blah. And at the bottom, like 80% is like doing things Mm. and action and demonstration. And like, so, um, I was, I feel like if you ever want to really learn something, you just got to go out there and do it. Um, if you're going to read about it or go to college, um, you're, you're not going to learn shit <laughs> scientifically. <Yeah. laughs> they prove it to you. Yeah. You're going to forget about it in two weeks. 95% of what you learn. <clears throat> yeah. They say you retain something like one to 2% of all your classes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a huge reason why I never went to college. And I, I know a lot of people that went to college and they're a bunch of dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I learned in college? <laughs> what, what I learned is if you show up to your uh, final I'm hammer. halfway joking. But like, you, no, I like it. I'm looking at Ray. If you, you sh- dumb. <laughs> if you show up to your final hammered, this is what I learned. You're probably not going to pass it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. But like school doesn't mean much in real life. Right. 
No. Like, uh, my bankers never asked for my report card. Well, that's exactly true. I mean, when you look at uh, just high school, you know, if you graduate yeah. from uh, the alternative school or you graduate from a high school, you graduate with solid A's, you all get the same diploma. Di- diploma. You know, if I graduate college with C's and D's and you graduate with A's, we get the same thing. So, no, I yeah. definitely I definitely get what you're saying. Unfortunately, we've talked about this before, but unfortunately, most uh, people that go to college, they go because they were told to go to college. That's yeah, what I did. You're compliant. Yeah. And I had no idea what I wanted to do, you know, yeah. I, and I feel like I'm definitely with the majority there. I mean, a lot of people decide their majors in their first, you know, they, they think they know what they want to do. And then most people change two or three different times. Yeah. I think it's a Ponzi scheme <clears throat> to get into debt. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, but, you, and, and they do statistics and the statistics don't lie that like most people that go to college do earn a higher income, but you also got to, you got to realize that the people that like go to college, they actually, they wanted to make something of themselves. Yeah. Well, You're what, dealing with those kind of people. They're yeah. going to make a higher income regardless of what they do, whether they went to college or not. Yeah. Um, um, so I guess that's advice mostly to the younger folks. Right. <laughs> if you have anybody like, you know. Well, who's hasn't gone to college yet that's listening to this <laughs> like it's not the end all be all mm-hmm. it's it's just about you and your ambitions and what you want in life and um college isn't college is a great way to get yourself in debt and teach you some weird practices about politics no, i'm just kidding <laughs> well you know six percent of our listeners are 18 to 24 there you go six percent yeah. <laughs> yeah but i mean a lot of them are parents yeah so uh definitely sounds like you're pro college yeah but i mean when you when you talked about uh i think college is great when you if you really want to go be something that requires a college education but most people don't specific yeah like an an incredible majority of people go to college they didn't need to Mm -hmm. my wife has a college degree she's it i paid off her debts she didn't use it she didn't need it yeah it was a waste of time and i know a lot of people like that um me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's two, at least two people sitting in this room there. And that's it. Yeah. yeah I'm that's sorry. True. You probably hate having me on. You're going to no, this episode. No, we, no, no, no it's because it's true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you talked about uh, money, I mean, and most people don't know how to use money. I mean, if you're yeah. not making your money work for you, uh, if you're hiding your money in a mattress or, you know, just blowing it, man, it does suck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're hiding I mean, it somewhere, most people, it's, just, it's just losing value over time. I mean, you know, the, one of the worst assets over the last hundred years has been the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. It's lost so much value. You're better off putting it somewhere else. Yeah. But it's weird that, I mean, in school today, no one's taught. I mean, unless I guess you go for like learning about stocks and stuff, but no one's taught about uh, how to make money work for you. They're They're in school starting at a very young age you're taught to sit at a desk uh-huh. you know for eight hours a day and so it's very strange that no one's brought that i mean in our education system no one's really brought that up that you need to learn how to make money work for you and not work for your money so i agree with that all right on that note hey thanks for coming on the show course, we really yeah. appreciate it oh oh what uh if people want to get a hold of you how do they get a hold yeah of you? nick um they can go to our website northidahorei.com okay and you said yeah. thursdays Every, or yep. the last yeah, the first, the first, first Thursday, Thursday of each month, you can go to our Coeur d'Alene meeting. And if you want to go have a beer with us the next week, second Thursday of each month, we have a meeting in uh, 
the Sandpoint Pondere area at the Laughing Dog Brewery. Well, we do a meeting for the Bonner County people okay. up there. Um, so that's always fun. I'll be there tomorrow if you guys want to show up. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks, Nick. We appreciate yep. it. No no thank you. See you next week. Thank you. Be sure to tell your friends about the show. 